Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when we listen to the Word of God, I don't, just, don't just sort of half listen. I want you to listen and, and try and figure out where's she going with this. Listen carefully because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Hallelujah. This is a verse that's been rolling around in my heart for weeks and weeks and weeks. And many of you will know it even as a memory verse. But I believe the Lord wants to speak to you through it today. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, say justified by faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, which means We have put our faith in the fact that we have been made just as if we never sinned. That's what justified means. Just as if I never sinned. By faith. That is that part where he is greater than I feel like I deserve. He is kinder than I feel like I deserve. I'm not justified by my works. I'm not justified by my performance. I am justified by faith. Hallelujah. I believe that he is better than I feel like I deserve. That's what being justified by faith means. Hallelujah. That we don't feel like I deserve this, but I've got it because Jesus Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has come and cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Having confessed my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, making no mention of past sins, never bringing them to remember. Having cast them into the sea of his forgetfulness, he will never remember your sin anymore. You have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, but not we, but Christ who lives in us. Hallelujah. We died, and the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God. Hallelujah. We are new creations in Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, having been, we have peace with God. What does that mean? To have peace with God. Peace with God. We, we, can, we can roll it off our tongue and go, oh, yeah, that's nice. But what does it actually mean to have peace with God? To have peace with God means that you are no longer at war with God. You've been reconciled to God. You know, when you've had a bit of an issue with somebody and it's a bit awkward and, you know, uh, maybe you don't know. (laughs) Tom probably never know. (laughs) But I know. You know, you can have that. You feel a bit awkward. But then when you actually reconcile... Oh, everything's good. We have peace with God. We have been reconciled to God in that he has forgiven us. 
There's nothing that he's remembering. He is not looking at you and remembering what you did wrong. You have been reconciled. The word actually means, when you look it up in the Greek, to be set at one. <sighs> Thank you, God. And we can't be one with God who is perfectly holy without being perfectly holy because he's light and light can't have any fellowship with darkness. So having been justified by faith, he's taken away all our darkness. He's taken away all our crookedness, all our iniquity, all our sin, and he's made us as he is in this world. So we've been set at one with him. Oh, we've been reconciled to God. We have peace with God. Yay, God. By the grace, uh, and, and it's in this grace we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of, of the glory of God. All right, now let's look at another scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Hebrews is a good book. Mm, rich and delicious. Hello, friends. I haven't got to see you all. Hello. Wow. All right, this is a good one. Starts with the therefore again. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So they heard the gospel preached, but it did no good for them. You could read the Bible every day, but unless it's mixed with faith, it will not profit you at all. It's the truth. Unless we mix what we read with faith, we don't get the benefit. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Say, enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Now you might go, oh, that's all a bit complicated. I don't quite understand. What he was saying is that the word being preached is an invitation, and the gospel preached is an invitation to enter into a Sabbath rest. Now, God demonstrated, he gave us an idea of what a Sabbath rest looks like. He, in, in, he instituted the seventh day, the Sabbath rest, where you wouldn't work, where you would rest from your works, like he rested from his work. It was a shadow of an invitation that you and I, having been brought into reconciliation with God, now have an invitation to enter a place of rest that's not one day a week, but a continual state of resting from our works. This is the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. That the rest, it doesn't mean you don't do work. It means you no longer have to perform in order to be able to commune with God. You enter the rest where you don't have to work because having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Rest. 
I don't know if any of you saw it, but um, there was a news story uh, last week or so where there was a little, again, a three-year-old lost in the bush for four days. Little AJ, anybody follow the story? And the parents were praying and everyone was, there was all the... uh, Search and rescue, all looking for him. Nobody was finding him. It was cold. It was rainy. He was autistic, nonverbal. And yet, praise the Lord, they found him by a creek, sipping water, and he'd survived. But what struck me is when, um, when they, they got him and they brought him to mum, and as soon as he got into mum's arms, he just fell asleep. You see, you and I have an invitation into the safe place with God, where we're no longer at war with him. We don't have to fuss or worry that he's going to grill us and give us the, you know, the ninth degree and, 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 and make us, you know, go through everything we've done wrong. He welcomes us into his arms, having forgiven us from all of our sin. And he is our safe place, our refuge, our hiding place. He is our safe place. In his arms, we can take refuge. He is our peace. He is our rest. And he's the one that I can walk with and talk with. He's the one who interprets my tears. Hallelujah. I have peace with God. When I talk to God, I, I'm not content to, to just, you know, open my Bible, read something, and then go through my list of requests and, and talk to him as though I'm not looking at him. Misty Edwards used to sing a song. I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. And you know, when we come to pray, God wants us to enter into that place of rest by faith. That place where oh, I'm talking to you and I'm not harboring in my heart this, this faint idea that maybe you're a bit annoyed with me or a bit frustrated with me. I'm going to fight with the Word of God until every lie that would distract me from this place of utter peace and rest is gone. So that when I talk with Him this morning, when I read my Bible, when I make my requests, I'm not making it as a religious thing that I'm doing, talking about Him or talking to Him but not looking at Him. You and I have been invited to pray that the Holy Ghost would enlighten the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of Him, that we could know Him, we could see Him, we could commune with Him face to face. Now, I know we see through a glass dimly. I know that when we finally go to heaven, we will, be, we will fully know even as we are fully known. But you and I on this earth as children of God are not expected to stand at a distance and recite some prayers and pray some scripture without having a supernatural connection where the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. 
when I got saved, I, I, was, I believed God. I was a good girl. I, I went to, I went to the, the, youth, the youth camp and I was trying to, I believed in God. But I got real with him and I said, Lord, I can't see you and I don't know you. And this is just really hard to sing to somebody I can't see and don't know. An honest prayer. And right there in the middle of worship, he enlightened the eyes of my understanding. I can't say I knew everything about God all of a sudden, but something happened. I wasn't talking to somebody that I was trying to believe in. I had a connection. There he is. Seek my face, the Lord says. If you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Hallelujah. You can come to him and you can engage with him in a way that's dynamic and living. When Jesus talked to the woman at the well, we were reading it this morning in John 4. He was saying, oh, if only you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask him for living water. It's alive. It's dynamic. It's real. This... This relationship we have is not dry or religious. It's dynamic. It's living. It's refreshing. Jesus knew about it. He'd go away to pray. And his prayers were not religious prayers. He came back refreshed and strengthened while he was being persecuted all around, having all sorts of problems within and without. He'd go and spend time with God and he'd come back. And the disciples saw it. They're like, he just doesn't pray like us. This is different. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, well, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. That is the same relationship, dynamic engagement you see me having with the Father. You are invited into that. You can talk to him the same way I talk to him. Anything less is a compromise that will leave you without the fullness of the refreshing God wants to give you. Every day, the Bible says that he has daily bread for you. That is something alive and fresh and living. Every day, he wants to strengthen you. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That in his presence, there is Fullness of joy. Now, if you're not tasting of that fullness of joy that casts out the discouragement, if you're not tasting of that love, that perfect love that comes in and casts out all fear, if you're not having that dynamic living word quicken you so you can go, God spoke to me, then there is more for you. I know there are days where I feel like I just, I just go through a quick devotion. We'll read a devotion together. We'll read the Bible. We'll pray our prayers around the circle. And that's good. God hears those prayers. We have faith. God hears our prayers. But if that were the, the limit of my relationship with the Lord or my engagement with the Lord that day, I would run out of strength. I was talking with the Lord the other day and I mean, there's so many things. I, as a pastor, you get to hear so many terrible situations. People have been raped, people who've, whose 
husbands are in jail and people who, who are suffering with all sorts of like horrifically difficult situations. And I was talking to the Lord the other day on the back stairs and saying, God, oh Lord, it must make your heart so sad to see so much pain. Then I looked at him and I realized and I remembered the Holy Spirit just tried to help me, just helped me recognize, wow, God, you're the hero. You're the one that never gets discouraged. You're the one that never gets overwhelmed with it all. I feel overwhelmed with it all the times, God. I come and I bring it to you and you don't get weighed down with it. You're the hero. You're always strong. And I just had this glorious moment as the Holy Spirit revealed to me afresh the strength of the Father, the glory of the Father, the one who is the perfect Father, the hero. Hallelujah. In him, there is no weakness, so that when we bring our weakness, he just gives us his strength. It's delightful. Hallelujah. Our wonderful Jesus. All right. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What is our confession? that Jesus Christ has reconciled us to God, that the veil has been torn, that I no longer have to stand outside like one of the the sorry people while uh, the anointed one who is at the right time and the very right anointed moment might be able to get a glimpse of the glory, which is what it was. Jesus came and the veil was torn, so now I can boldly approach the throne of grace. So I can have the opportunity every day by faith to engage with God in his glory. People say, well, no man can see God and live. That's what Moses said. But the truth is, you don't live anymore when you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And now you have been invited in just to the throne room of God. And it doesn't have to be just at the right moment in the anointed space. It can be every day by faith. I can boldly come. Not based on my performance or how well I've done that week or even how devoted I've been that week, but based on faith in the love of Jesus Christ, on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I can boldly come and know that I have peace with God, that I am reconciled with God, that God is not holding anything against me. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This is really good news. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That is, when the enemy comes with his lies and says, hey, who do you think you are? You can't, you're not going to have much of an engagement with me today. You've barely spoken to me all week. You know, I know what you've been doing. I know what you've been watching. I know. And you've got these things, these accusations that come and um, float around your mind or regrets or, or just a sense of unworthiness. When you feel that, 
because the enemy will give it a shot. He'll give it a go. He is terrified of you walking in peace. He's terrified of you having peace with God and by faith engaging in this conversation with God because the truth makes us free. And he doesn't want you talking to the truth. He wants you bound by lies because if your heart doesn't condemn you, you have confidence before God and whatever you ask, you receive. And he does not want you being bold. The righteous are as bold as lions. So he's always attacking that righteousness and trying to make you believe again that you haven't entered a rest. You are, you are on a track of if you perform well enough, maybe I'll let you call yourself righteous. Continue. Anybody else ever struggle with this sort of thing where the enemy comes and tries to get you back into a works track, tries to get you back into believing subtly somehow in your emotions, hey, it's, it's about your performance. Oh, come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. He'll do this. So you need to hold fast to your confession. That is, speak out your, of your mouth the truth of the Word of God. The Lord says that I have been reconciled to Him. The Lord says that He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon Him, and by His stripes I was healed. The Lord says, the, the Word of God says that the veil was torn. I can boldly now approach the throne of grace. The Word of God says that as He is, so am I in this world. The Word of God tells me in Romans 8, 1, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells me that even if my heart condemns me, He's greater than my heart, that I am justified by faith and the, faith, the just shall live by faith. That today I don't even have to try and have faith. I have the faith of the Son of God living on the inside of me and I pick it up and I speak the Word of God, which is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We hold fast to the confession of our faith. That means you don't just see how I'm going, oh, I'm not having a good day, am I having a bad day. Decide which one you're going to have and go and make a deliberate uh, action where you open your mouth and hold fast to your confession. All right, I'm not feeling great today, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak the Word of God. I'm going to speak the truth, and the truth, hallelujah, is going to dispel the lies that would try to keep me captive and cause me to settle for a, a, a religious prayer today, a religious engagement with God today, a distant relationship with God, a mechanical relationship with God today. That's what the lies would like to do. Take them captive. Hold fast to your confession. Hallelujah. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize without weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because we have entered this rest by faith, because I have been justified by faith, I have peace with God. Therefore, I will today, no matter how I feel, 
boldly come before the throne of grace. Bring the Word of God, dispel the lies that would try to make me feel disqualified from standing there. And I'm going to stand there knowing I have peace with God. There's nothing, there's no angst, there's no discomfort between us. I have peace with God. I can jump up on His lap and fall asleep in His arms. I can let His perfect love cast out all my fear. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Come on, guys. I need some more help than this. Yes. You know, having done hotel quarantine, I was blessed. I got to do it with my husband there. But there are people, they get shut in a room for two weeks. It's a little taste of what, of, of the reality that people need connection. They need connection. They need fellowship. And you and I need spiritual connection. Hearing about it, listening to conversations through the door is not enough. We need connection with God. You need, your spirit cries out for connection with God. 